Good morning, church. How are you? Very good. Very good. Good to see you. I'm so glad uh, that you're here this morning. We are in a series called Next Steps. And last week, I, well, it's a multi-part sermon in a multi-part series, so it gets a little complex, but just know that today, again, I want to talk to you about hearing the voice of God. Is that all right? All right. It seems to be a good day. Um, before I get started, though, I want to take a moment to honor our incredible team exchange. Who is that, you ask? Okay. Who is that, you ask? That is our... That is our team all across this campus from the, the road to the road that have seen people from their cars to their seats to the children ministry, not just on Sunday, but on Saturdays and Fridays, cleaning the facilities and scrubbing those toilets. And uh, men, I don't know why we don't have to fill up the soap dispensers as often as we do for the ladies, but we need to get our act together, wash our hands after we do the duty business, you know. Uh, but can we give it up for Team Exchange? It's just incredible. I, I know that you got to see your Parkers and the worship host and your, your singers and musicians, people that you don't get to see um, or, or they've just become a fixture and you don't recognize them, which is actually the goal in some of these positions, like camera right here, Nolan Egley. You probably aren't watching him all service, but he's amazing. And on the other side of that lens to our back room, production room, we've got volunteers back there right now that are pulling the switches, seeing different shots, sending it to online for online viewers. So if you're watching online, why don't you give a shout out to your production crew right now. Just give them a thumbs up, a high five, fist bump. And then on the back elevated portion where the temperature gets a little warmer than where you're sit sitting uh, is our sound lights, uh, sound lights, help me out, projection. Thank you. Um, and our producer is back there. And then someone that you really never see is back in E-Kids, our team back in E-Kids, pouring Jesus into our young ones. So I just wanted to define Team Exchange. Can we give it up for Team Exchange this morning? Without Team Exchange, it would be a completely different experience. I'm honestly... Think back to old school tent revivals where you had to pull out your own chair for, from the stack and then put it back when you're done. That would be our church service. And, and those were good days, but I am thankful for Team Exchange where we can walk into a, a facility that has been prepared for you. We were expecting you to show up. I had the, the honor of meeting one of our first time guests. We've got several here this morning, but with the coolest name, by the way. I won't call them out because I don't, want to make a habit of embarrassing our first-time guests, but just an incredible cool name. And uh, he, he was walking with his first-time guest bag, which I, we, we, we recently upgraded those, and now people are getting a journal and a pen and a book and our belief statement and a letter from pastors. It's just like this. It's a gift. I would want that for Christmas, actually. Um, and so when you see, as a church member, someone walking around with that bag, not everyone wants to be identified, but it's a, it's a good way for you to know who's first time on campus. And they are your mission to introduce yourself to them when you see them in the hallways. But not only that, when you invite someone 
to the church and they show up with you, just know we have a gift waiting for them at the information desk. Show up, get them to fill out a connection card so we can get to know them. What I like to do, I'm just really rambling today, but it's okay. What I like to do is right after service, I like to email all of the first-time guests and just talk about the experience and answer any questions they have. So the connection card is really important for us to be able to start building a relationship with people. So all of this happens because of Team Exchange. And listen, Team Exchange isn't serving Trey and Carrie Rose. I, I I, I wish I had a court serving Trey and Carrie Rose. But they're not even serving the Exchange Church. What, what we do, and I say we because even as a, a pastor or someone on staff, I hope you realize our staff members volunteer their time. They don't get paid for every hour that they're giving up here. If they, if they were getting paid for every hour, their hourly pay would probably be 75 cents per hour, to be honest. Uh, but even our staff volunteers, so they're team exchange too. Um, but I am just, I'm just grateful this morning to be a part of a team who understands that God deserves our best and the people that he's sending our way deserve our engagement. So, I don't know, that wasn't in my notes, but I'm just feeling warm fuzzies for Team Exchange this morning. I'm preaching uh, this morning from one of my nine or ten Bibles. I don't know, the stat keeps growing. My wife is now adding her own Bibles, and I'm like, I've got enough for the both of us. So we've got a, a on our office a stack of Trey's Bibles and then a stack of Carrie's Bibles and she'll bring one home and, and that, that someone's given her or she's found. If you've given her a Bible, I'm not talking about that one. It was probably the best one she's ever had. But she comes home with these Bibles and I'll tell her, I've already got that Bible. And she's like, I don't care. I want my own. So anyway... This is a really great Bible. And the reason I like to share with you the Bibles that I'm preaching from or that I'm using, I found that when I explain a little bit to you what I use, um, you kind of get interested. There have been many of you that have went out and bought the Bible that I've referenced. And then we get to geek out together and I get to explain to you how I use it. It's been phenomenal. But this is called the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Oh, see? The gasp in the room confirm this is a good Bible. I'll tell you, this would be my go-to Bible if the world ever collapses, if there's no internet, um, if there's no YouTube, if there's no app on your phone. This would be the Bible that I would want in doomsday with no electricity. Um, Because everywhere in Scripture, like wherever you go, there is a, a reference that says where that next subject or thought or philosophy is taught. And you can literally go throughout the Bible and see where love transitions from Genesis to Revelation or grace or peace, whatever. Uh, This Bible in particular, I don't know if they all do this or if I just got lucky getting this one. This has over 500 pages of comprehensive Bible helps. So it's not just maps, it's definitions of words, it's explanations of themes, it talks about the different people in scripture. Let me see, I'm just going to give you a quick example. Um, The life of Peter is in here. There are different character studies, there's Bible harmonies. Um, Oh, one of my favorites is the Bible mnemonics. mnemonics. Um, And then, let's see, memory verses, Bible uh, markings. You get the drift, right? 
This is an incredible, incredible Bible to study. Now, it's not difficult to understand. It just gives you a platform to grow. So I'm preaching from that. Is that all right? Father, we come before you today. I thank you so much uh, for the people that are in this room. God, I thank you. I thank you that we live in 2022 where there is a remnant that you have raised in, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of racial tensions, in the midst of global instability, in the midst of natural disasters like never before. God, there, there, there is a people that you have called out to carry hope into the world. And I thank you that we at the Exchange Church are those people that speak hope and life and unity and reconciliation and repentance and growth. Holy Spirit, come with us today. Stir in our hearts. Let us hear your voice. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let the church say amen. 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 I have some news for you. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. Jesus said in John 14, verses 1 through 3, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place? Everybody say place. If it weren't true, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Two times in this verse, Jesus calls heaven a place. It's a place. The Greek word actually is topos, T-O-P-O-S. It's the word that we get a, a very popular word, not topo chico, Topography. Topography. You know the maps that show the elevation and the, the, the land, the topography. It's interesting that when Jesus said he's going to prepare a place, he uses the word topography. So there is quite literal elevation in heaven. There are mountains and there are streams and there are hills and it's a, a literal place. Heaven is not a state of mind. Heaven is not an abstraction. Heaven is not a foggy, ethereal, wishful sentiment. In fact, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said the Lord's Prayer. He didn't say, our Father who are in a good state of mind. Our Father who are in heaven, a place, not a utopia, not, not just a state of hope that everything is going to work out. When Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, he was saying to reference a God who is established and sits on a throne in a place. Heaven is a literal place. The kingdom of God isn't a fairy tale established in the imagination of creatives. It's a literal place that can be experienced with more senses than our five senses will even allow. You will get more senses when you get to heaven. Isn't that good? Some of you are like, thank God my husband needs some sense. 
It is a literal place. And just as, just as heaven is a very real place, the voice of God is a very real voice. It's not the collective consciousness of the morally good. It's not uh, insti- intuition or gut instinct. The voice of God is in a class all by itself. It is holy, set apart. It is distinct and it is clear. And guess what? You can hear the voice of God. You can. And sometimes it may show up like intuition. It may feel like gut instinct. But the voice of God wants to be very clear and distinct and set apart for you today. John chapter 10 verses 2 through 3 says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That's Jesus. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep hears his voice. Last week, I told you that hearing the voice of God is innate. Not inmate, innate. You were born with it. Well, not when you were a baby. You were born again with it. When you moved from death to life, when you said yes to Jesus, there was something that came alive in you that you now are qualified to hear the voice of God. I know it's confusing because some of us are like, I haven't heard the voice of God in a long time. But just know that you don't have to earn the ability to hear the voice of God Because you've said yes to Jesus, he's already paid the price for there to be an open line of communication from heaven to you, from Holy Spirit to you. You are qualified as a sheep. Sheep aren't qualified for much. I I told us last week that sheep often run into fire pits. They run off of cliffs. Sheep aren't very smart. They're really not. But one thing they do well. They sure do follow that shepherd's voice. You were born with it. And the good news is you weren't just born with it. It's something that you can learn. I told you last week, it's learnable. You can learn how to hear the voice of God. Maybe you've said yes to Jesus and you think to yourself, I don't know that I've ever heard the voice of God. Well, congratulations, you can learn. Sometimes we look at someone on platform with a microphone with a gray jacket on and we think oh we have to have those qualities to hear from God Mm -mm. no 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 it doesn't take status to hear from God in fact I would venture to say that it's probably easier for God to cut through the noise with somebody with a title and speak to you directly regarding you We're always looking for the next big prophet to come speak into our life or or the next big revelation from someone else. But listen, there is a revelation that God has given to each and every one of you and you are perfectly equipped and capable of hearing from God on your own. Some of you say, well, I've never been ordained. I hereby ordain you to hear from heaven. Now, that doesn't mean you can go perform a wedding or a funeral. You can hear from God, and it's learnable. You can learn it. I gave you some practical, practical steps last week on how to hear the voice of God. I'm 
maybe not going to go over that again. Catch next last week's um, sermon on that. Um, I touched on the third point briefly, and then I moved into kind of a spur of the moment opportunity to pray for people. And so I didn't really get to unpack my third point from last week. But hearing the voice of God is something that's matured. Not only do you learn how to hear it, hear the voice of God, hearing the voice of God matures as you hear it. As you hear it, as you heed it, as you practice it, as you step into it, you can start to hear the voice of God in deeper and more profound ways. It's matured. Children, we we see this in children, right? And when we understand that children need time to mature, we don't expect a seven-year-old to act like a 17-year-old. They need to mature. But we put so much pressure on ourselves to hear from God on an issue and hear the right thing and do the right thing but yet we've not allowed ourselves the space to mature in the ability to hear the voice of God. Children, for example, say the craziest things before they know that they shouldn't say those crazy things. I mean, they will say things like, wow, daddy, why are, why are they so big, right? If you've never had your kid ask you why someone was overweight before, you, you, you count yourself blessed. Or my favorite, Daddy, why, why is Grandma so old? You know, it's all those wrinkles. I don't know. We don't talk about. We don't know how old Grandma is. We just know she was friends with Noah. <laughs> you know, kids have to mature. In their communication, in their hearing, in their listening, in their obeying, and in what they say. And we also have to mature in hearing the voice of God. I want to share a few ways that I think people show their immaturity when hearing from God. All right? These are, it's my opinion over the years, I've kind of developed a framework of what is a mature way to respond and to hear the voice of God versus what is mature, immature. I'm going to give you, I've written down four immature ways of hearing God. And I'm just going to help you avoid these pitfalls as you're learning to hear from God. Is that all right? The first one is a, a term, I didn't coin it actually, Dallas Willard did in the book Hearing God. It's a fantastic read. It's out of print, uh, probably pretty expensive on Amazon. Maybe, I don't know, check it out. It's worth a read. Uh, Dallas Willard, Hearing God. And he says that these are a message a minute people. People that hear from God every minute. They get a message from heaven every minute. A message a minute. What's wrong with that, Pastor? Isn't God always speaking? Well, yes, God is always speaking. But he shouldn't always be telling you something to tell someone else. I know God is delicately involved in your life, and you're awesome. But the reality is, if every sentence out of your mouth is, well, God said this, and God said that, I'm guessing he didn't say it all. Are you, are you with me? God just told me to clean out my car. Did he? God told you to clean out your car. Does it have to come to that? 
I mean, do you need a word from the Lord to get all those Chick-fil-A bags out of your car? At what point did the stench of old fry grease not clue you in that it might be a good time to clean out your car? Before you had to retrieve the mice nest out from underneath the hood, at what point do you think, maybe God did have to step in and say, listen, it's really time. Maybe he did. But I got a word for you. A a good word for you that you don't need a rhema word for. You don't need the skies to part and the angel to show up and be the glow in your room at night and wake you up at 3 a.m. and say, clean your car. In the Bible, you'll actually learn that you can be a good steward because God has blessed you. And when you're faithful over little, he'll make you ruler over much. You didn't need an angel to show up to say, clean your car. Clean your home. Take out the trash, Tristan. Oh, sorry. Take out the trash. I'm just kidding. That's one of Tristan's chores in my home, and he's actually fantastic. He's very faithful with the brasura. He takes out the trash. It's very good. Uh, Side note about blessings. Oftentimes we're praying for God to bless us. Um, And we don't realize that God's blessing generally always requires more responsibility. We want God to bless us with a new vehicle, a new home, a spouse, kids, whatever, whatever it is. And oftentimes our blessing requests are misguided and we're expecting just to like sit in this rolling chair and he just rolls us up to a feast banquet. We sit there and we feast on the blessing. But the reality is a blessing often looks like a hammer and a nail in your hand. Or more time at work, or more focus at work, or deleting social media from your phone. Like, blessing requires, that's another sermon, Trey, get back to a message a minute. A message a minute. People say, God told me this, God told me that. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not real skeptical of you when you say that, to be honest. I just guard my own heart. So I don't want you to be afraid to come up to me and say, oh, Pastor, God said, oh, God may have said, like, don't worry about how you communicate to me. This message is not for you to impress me. This message is for you to wrestle with God for you. Like I wrestle with God for me, okay? Um, When I say God told me this, God told me that, let's just think logically about that for a moment. Do we really want God always correcting us? Does that even seem normal? Do you want to have a 40-year-old son that you're having to call four times a day to tell him when to do what and put on what socks and wear what clothes and be, go, go to work on time? and do you, do you know what I mean? At what point in the real physical flesh world do we say, I need to let them figure it out and step into what they already know and practice what they already know? I don't think that God has... Any motivation to help you every single day for the next 40 years do the thing that he told you to do 40 years ago. Does that make sense? Uh, then, you know, the uh, another immature way of hearing from God. I've referenced this before, but it's just the kind of roll and, roll and shoot or the open and point. You know, you just... 
flip open your Bible. And I'm not saying that God can't use this. He may have used it once or twice for you. But if this is your main Bible study method, you might want to get some regularity to your reading. If you just open the Bible and point down to a verse and read it, you know, it's God might use it, but it feels a bit reckless. It feels like you're dishonoring the word that was written for you to consume. You know, I was an old businessman who was struggling in business, and he did this method. It's all he ever did to read the Bible. He opened it one day. He was having a really rough day on the job. He opened the Bible, just put his finger down, closed his eyes, looked, and it said, Chapter 11. <laughs> that means bankruptcy. Yeah. So it's not always the best way to hear from God. It might work on the rare occasion, but it is somewhat of an immature method. Um, so I would encourage us to step beyond the open and point. Amen? Um, another, another immature way is of hearing God is when you're always, this is kind of my hot button and my pet peeve. So my wife, I'm going to watch for any nonverbal cues from her to tell me to move on from this point. Um, but using God as your justification. Did God really tell you that? Because I'm pretty tired of hearing people blame God for their own selfish ambitions. Did God really tell you to change churches? Or is it just a little uncomfortable because now when the rubber meets the road and families having to, you know, there's some conflict and this is the point where you really should be growing. Instead, you just pick up your toys and run. Did God really tell you that? And, and I do know that God moves people from church to church. I really do. I just feel like it's way more rare than we give him credit for. I, I think people leave the church, and I, I've just seen, man, I've been in ministry twenty year, over 20 years, and I hear the same thing. God said, God said, God said, God said, leave. And I'm thinking, God's probably up there just shaking his head, saying, I don't condone divorce. Did God really tell you to change careers? Did God really, did God really tell you to buy that brand new car? Did, did God really tell you to do that? I mean, we use God as justification, and, and quite honestly, it infuriates me. This, I might challenge you on, <laughs> to be honest. If you say, like, um, you're married, and then you say that God led you to this other person outside of your marriage, oh, God brought us together. No. I rebuke that. That is not actually God. That is not the voice of God that you were hearing. The problem when we say God said, it removes the opportunity for negotiation and communication. The moment you come to me, and, and people have done this, they come to me and they say, well, God told me I need to stop serving. I don't argue with that because I can't argue with God. If they value the voice that they've heard in their head over Christian dialogue and mentoring and growing and challenging and iron sharpening iron, if, if they value that voice, then I just have to let them run with that rather than having a conversation. Uh, my, my wife and I know the moment we say God said to each other, it's not a conversation. The other person says, but we also trust that we've heard the voice of God, right? So we use it sparingly. So my wife, <laughs> I'm going to tell her myself. 
Just the other day, ugh, my wife said, God told me we need to give this family $100. I said, he said what? She said, God said we need to give them $100. And I said, are you sure it was God? Yes, I'm sure. And then so I, I guess I was feeling a little sassy and wanted to pick on her a bit. And I said, fine. I guess as head of this home, I can't have any conversation. If you said God, God did it, then give them $100. And yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm harassing her about it. But the reality is when we say God said and we know God said, the debate's over. It's settled. The problem is an immature Christian will use God as justification to do what they want to do rather than what the Spirit of God is really telling them to do. So I don't use the God said too lightly. I'm very cautious with that one. Um, you know, if you're going to do that, if you're going to say God said, you better be sure that God said you better make sure it's God, because if not, it's one of two things. Hear me. If God didn't say it and you said that he did, it's either taking God's name in vain or it's witchcraft and sorcery. There's no in-between. I, I can't even, can I, just, can I just bring some loving correction to our teens this morning? I know I'm an old guy. I, I get it. I'm washed up, has been. But when you text anything about God, on God's name, I'm telling the truth. Don't do that. O, G, C, G, B, whatever the initials are, if it involves the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins or Yahweh, the creator who breathed life into our lungs, don't use his name to make your point. Your word, your voice should have enough authority without invoking the creator for someone else to believe you. Honestly, honestly. Why is someone not believing you when you're trying to be serious? Why do we, I know, see, inside they're thinking he is really old. He's taking this way too far. But listen, I just want to honor God in everything we do. And I, I'm, I'm trying to teach my kids that. So I'm just taught your kids that too. Uh, I hope you forgive me for weighing in on that. But All right, the fourth way. Man, I'm really running out of time. The fourth way that we hear from God in an immature way. Um, you guys are okay. You're not offended yet, are you? Okay, we'll wait for this one. The fourth way that we immaturely hear from God is the whatever will be will be. God's voice and his will happens no matter what. So, um, like, if I want to do it, if it feels good, and if all the doors are open, it must be God. Right? We almost read God's voice into a situation by default because we found ourselves there. But I, I want you to understand that human will and emotions also play a factor. You can't assume because you like it that it's God. You can't assume because it's easy that it's God. You can't assume that because you don't like it that it's God. You can't assume because it's hard that it's God. Yes, or that you have peace. You can't assume because you have peace. 
This is, this is in my next sermon, babe. Slow down. God's, see, now you're trying to make me preach next time sermon. Don't do that. Peace is a very solid indicator that you're hearing God's voice, but the situation doesn't always contain peace. And I'll explain all of that in my next sermon, okay? So if you just wait, don't listen to my wife today. She tried to preach my next sermon. I've had enough of that. Okay. You can learn to hear God's voice. Um, who's ready to learn and mature in our ability to hear God's voice? I want to give you a few things to pay attention to, okay? Um, and this message is not going to end today. It's going to roll over. Next week is Mother's Day. Um, and then the week after that is the next part of this sermon. Okay, so you got a two-week break, so I need you to chew on this for a bit. But um, there are m- many voices that you currently hear. If I'm trying to teach you how to hear the voice of God, we got to take a step back and hear it all. Think about it all, okay? There are many voices that you will hear. The first one that you'll hear is self. You will talk to yourself a lot. Too much. You will talk to yourself. Self-talk is important, by the way. It's incredibly powerful, but highly deceptive. Sometimes your self-talk will pretend to be God. Our, our self-talk flows out of what we are feeding our soul. Let me say that again. Our self-talk flows out of what we're feeding our soul. What our senses feast on, what our eyes feast on, our ears, our, our speech, our, all, all the five, whatever the five senses are, whatever they feast on, that becomes the fuel for our soul talk. So, if you're beating yourself up, beating yourself up with your soul talk, you need to take a look at what you're feasting on, because that is the fuel for your self-talk. I'm not going to try today to teach you to have better self-talk, but just know that's a competing voice, all right? Yourself. The next one is others. Others' voices. Man, this is a really complicated one, because there are a lot of others. You've got siblings, you've got parents, you've got kids, you've got teachers, you've got like anyone outside of self, that's an other. And, and we have to categorize others because some others matter more to us than other others. Some should matter. I know some of you are like, I don't care what others think or say. Great, right on. Uh, the problem is that's rarely true. You're probably lying to yourself. You may not care what most people think, but you probably should care what your spouse thinks. And if not, thus the marriage problem. There's a difference between there is a difference between being a people pleaser and being others aware. I hope you get this in this just one phrase. I hope the Spirit will just unleash that and unpack that because I used to struggle with being a people pleaser. Still do. Still do. On some occasions, I I struggle with people pleasing. People pleasing is not healthy. But as a follower of Jesus, I must be others aware. I must be aware how I'm impacting others. If I'm not others aware, I'm probably not self-aware. And being 
others aware and self-aware helps us to have greater impact in the world. All right? So others, um, others have a voice into us. Our self is talking to us constantly. Uh, there's another voice that we hear often, uh, the Lord. How many have heard the Lord this week? Everyone's scared to raise your hand. I don't want to do witchcraft. How many have heard the Lord this week? Come on, be loud, be bold. You, you came to church? Did the Lord tell you to come to church? I bet that wasn't self, because I sure wanted to sleep in later today. That was self. Um, others, my wife did say, get up, Trey. Uh, so others in Jesus probably got me here today. But the, the topic of our whole, this little series, is hearing the Lord's voice. And we can, a prob- we can probably agree that his voice I will always conform you to the image of Christ. The voice of Jesus will always make you look more like Jesus. Not make you look more like your purpose or your individuality or your opinions or your agendas. It's going to make you look like Jesus. That's the sole purpose of the voice of God, to conform you into the image of Christ. His voice, oh, his voice is always kind, but it's not always gentle. His voice is always loving, but it's not always affirming. His voice is always encouraging, but it doesn't always feel good. So we've got the Lord's voice, we've got self-voice, we've got others' voice. What voice am I missing? Oh, well, okay, Jen. Somebody knows a name. The devil. The devil's voice. Some of us wrestle with it more than others, apparently. The top of the list, when we think of voices, we think of Satan. I'm just, I'm just teasing you. I, we know from John 10.10 10, that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy His voice will always lead to this end. It may not sound like a roaring lion at first, but following the trend of this voice, follow out the consequences to the end. Let the story unfold and play out in your mind from the voice you're currently hearing. And if it's the enemy's voice, you will eventually find yourself in a pit with lions. There are four voices, and that's a lot of competition for your attention. Discerning the voice of God can be really difficult, really complex, really confusing. You've got so many competing voices. You've got self. You've got others ranked in different categories of importance, people closer to you, people's opinion that you value, that you don't value, that you... you, shouldn't value or you should value all of the complexities of others you've got the lord's voice somewhere in there because listen he is talking to you in the middle of the noise he is talking to you and then you've got the devil's voice today i'm going to leave you with this one tip It's the most obvious and most glaring tip of discerning the voice of God. I want you to get good in the next two weeks of discerning what isn't the voice of God. 
This is step number one in starting to discern Holy Spirit, all right? We get so focused on, is that God? Is that me? Is that God? Is that me? Who cares? Don't, don't worry about that. I want you only to focus on what isn't him. Discern what is not the voice of God this week. Let me give you a visual example. Let's pretend that this, this is most likely the voice of God. All right? You will have what I call competing voices. Competing voices. Maybe they'll go like this. Right? Self will often have competing voices. We'll say things very similar to what Jesus would be saying, but it's not precise. And if we follow this voice, it sounds good right here. The problem is by the time you follow that out, do you, are, you, are you picking up what I'm laying down? All right. So we got to catch it back here, all right? Now, this is where the confusion really is overwhelming. How do I know if it's God? How do I know if it's me? We're not addressing that today, but I will. I'm going to get you there. I promise. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I want you only to this week, I want you to find and annihilate the thoughts that aren't from God. And they look like this. Some examples. Cheat on your taxes or homework. Definitely not a rhema word. Okay. Look at porn one more time. Safe to say that's not from the throne room. Uh, Have another drink. Unless it's communion, it's not God. Right? You with me? (laughs) It's okay. I'm worthless. I'm a loser. I'm an idiot. These are thoughts that are antithetical. They go against, directly against the thoughts that God would have towards you. We're going to find them this week. We're not going to allow them anymore. I'll I'll tell you, if you want to hear God's voice more, take the thoughts captive that are obviously not his. Because taking competing, write this down, taking competing thoughts captive creates margin for discerning the voice of God. Taking competing thoughts captive creates margin, room, wiggle room, space for you to then wrestle with the competing thoughts Right? Creates margin for discerning the voice of God. We can reduce the noise by rejecting the voices that are clearly not from Him. Honestly, you could spend the rest of your life just doing this and grow in the image of Christ, but there's just so much more to the intimacy of hearing from the Father. There's so much more to hearing from Holy Spirit. The, the problem is, I, I got to get you to a place where you're angry enough at the antithetical thoughts and voices that you root them out and you pull them up from the root and you get rid of them. Then we have room. Then we have room. Romans 12, 2 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A mind that is constantly in the process of renewal is more able to discern the voice of God and the will of God. Amen. I'm done. Stand to your feet. As I pray over us today, I just want to send you with a blessing for those that are, are continuously finding yourself in a situation where the enemy's thoughts are bombarding you. Guilt, shame, saying you're not worthy, saying that you're never going to make it, saying that you're not a son, that you're not a daughter. You, you have been bombarded with these thoughts. I want to pray for you. So if that's you, all across the room right now, just keep your eyes open and make eye contact with me. If that's you, you're like, man, I've just had a, a lot of the enemy's thoughts. And I, it's very obvious to me that it's the enemy uh, because it goes completely against what God would say about me or in my situation. That's me. I just want you to lift your hand up and then put it on your heart. Yep, see it, 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 see it see it. Father, in the name of Jesus, the step of faith that we just took to elevate our hand and place it on our heart. God, I sense the humility in the room. You're calling us to greater levels, to deeper wells. God, I just thank you, God, that even as we, we just took a first step of, of realizing that we've got some work to do with you. You came to do business and we're now realizing it's time to say yes. We're ready to uproot these voices that are completely against you. We're, we're resolved with that. God, we repent for partnering with those voices right now in the name of Jesus. God, we return to you. We return to what you would say about us and over us. God, I thank you that you're reconciling our thoughts, our mind, our heart, our will and emotions to you. But God, just like in the prodigal son, reconciliation didn't end until he was reclothed. So God, I ask that you would just right now from heaven, just reclothe us. Reclothe us as sons and daughters. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm so proud of you guys. Uh, listen, Wednesday we have Awaken Prayer Teaching. 6.30 to 7.30. It's a small group, maybe 20, 25 of us that show up every Wednesday. Um, it's an incredible time. Um, I would want to invite you to come 6.30 on Wednesday. We also have youth at 7.30. That's grades 6 through 12. It's here on campus, 6 through 12. And then next Sunday is Mother's Day. Please get your moms to church. Um, if you're a mom, if you have a mom, if you were born by a mom, we will see you next week. We will see you next week. I love you guys. Now that you've been to church, go be the church. God bless you.